Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching Mm -hmm. the next generation of young adults in our world today. Mm -hmm. And check this out. Can't believe it. We woke up this morning and Spotify sends us uh, an email called Spotify Wrap 2022. And we got the news that Young Adults Today is in the top 5% of all podcasts globally. Yeah. What do you think, babe? Praise God. Well, I think it's a humbling moment, um, but also just want to say thank you to the listener, to any one of our guests that we've had that you've made this possible just by linking arms and saying, yes, we want to see God's kingdom grow. We want to be informed. We want to be encouraged. We want to come alongside each other. So we couldn't do or um, be doing this or be on air without you as a listener, uh, the subscriber, the rater, the reviewer, whatever whatever listener, whatever you've um, chosen to sit a seat in and just kind of, you know, enjoy the process. We've loved actually every single episode. We've had an amazing opportunity just to bring the gospel to the places that we can't just through social media and through the podcast. So we're celebrating this morning, not only for um, what God's done, but thankful for you as a listener and as the people who have come alongside us and want to see God's ultimate goal fulfilled as well. So we're excited. I know we're excited. This tribe is something special and we're on the journey together. Like Mm -hmm. Mike said, we thank every, just about every Every episode, there's been a guest, so we couldn't have done it without them and without you as a listener. So thanks for sharing this with your friends, with mm-hmm. your teams, with your small groups, and uh, we launch new episodes every Monday. This week, we're joined by Bob Wheatley. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited for you guys. How cool for me to experience that live. This you is guys the first so announcement cool. we've made, Bob. So this awesome. is like, you're getting an into the... I don't know the inner working of what's happening that we don't even know yet. <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm I'm a part of this party. Well, congratulations. I'm sure you guys have done a lot of work and put a lot of thought and effort into the show. And that's that's so cool. That's so cool that it's resonating with people. I know. It was too special not to share. And uh, we just had to just kind of let the word out. And we're joined by Bob Wheatley, like we They're mentioned. his word out, right? Exactly. It's coming up in January, coming yes. up very soon. So if you're tuning in. You have something, something fun to look forward to. Look, we're believing for great things in 2022, uh, 2023. Yeah, whoa, don't we're believing, 2022 again. I know, we're believing <laughs> for great things that God has amazing things in store this new year. And um, Bob is as well. He is an author, podcast ho- host, and former professional athlete. We'll lean into some of his story here in a second. His podcast called That Single Show is hosted by 90.9 KCBI Radio in Dallas. And his work has been featured in a lot of other Christian outlets. But in his spare time, Bob likes to read, write, hike, watch sports, living in Nashville, Tennessee. Really fun spot. But Bob, thanks so much for joining us on this episode and for celebrating our news as well. And can you just kind of, we'll kick it to you. Can you lean into some of your story of life and leadership and just how your journey has gone so far? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again for having me on, guys. This is this is great. I was looking forward to it for a long time. Uh, as far as my backstory, just to kind of share where I came from, I grew up in the church. I would have told you I was a Christian for a long time. I grew up in Southern California. I went to a Christian middle school, went to a Christian high school. It was kind of like the, the box was checked. I prayed before meals. 
I prayed before I went to bed and the first period of the day, every day was Christian learning. So I'm memorizing scripture. Mm. We have chapel basically every other day. So I'm an air quote Christian, right? Like it's, I'm just around that all the time and assume that, oh, okay, well this, this is it. I, I have, I have all my bases covered, but my relationship with God was certainly not the most important thing to me. It was, mm. it was sports. It was the relationship. It was insert idol here. It, it wasn't him. And so I ended up going to USC university of Southern California on a baseball scholarship. It was my dream school. Wow. My mom, and my dad met there. Wow. Grew up a USC Trojan fan my whole life. So once they offered me the scholarship, it was an easy yes. And so I'm seeing all of this early success where I was a you know good football player in high school, good baseball player, got the scholarship. By the time I got to college, my natural talent, my skills weren't enough to carry things. Like I was just getting passed up by people that were bigger, faster, and stronger, which happens to everyone. For me, it happened in, in college. And so um, like you said, I, I played professional baseball I uh, played for four years after school and it was kind of the the same deal to where because my talent wasn't enough, I had to, I had to outwork the room. It was, and it's the athletes love this and guys love this too. It's like first one in last one out. Like I'm going to outwork everybody and get where I want to go. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And so I was just like, grinding absolutely grinding to get to the big leagues because it was something that i really wanted probably for some good reasons and definitely some bad reasons but i really wanted it and yet i was a 26 round draft pick of the toronto blue jays i was number 774 overall they gave me a thousand dollars and a plane ticket they said do you want a uniform it's like duh of course <laughs> i want a uniform of course i'm going to play for the toronto blue jays and so Played for a couple of years in the minor leagues with them, got released, which is just baseball jargon for getting fired. Hey, hey, Bob, you're not good enough. Time to go. So I got released by the Blue Jays. Then I ended up signing a free agent contract with the St. Louis Cardinals, played for a season and a spring training with them. So like one year and change, they said the same thing. Hey, Bob, you're not good enough. It's time to go. And then my final team, I ended up playing uh, for couple months in independent professional baseball. And a lot of people don't know about it just because it's kind of, you know, small towns and independent professional baseball, which call it indie ball is not affiliated with the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cubs, you know, like all of those teams, it's independent. So I was playing for a team in normal Illinois. I was playing for the normal corn belters and I was making $600 a month. Yeah, Micah, you're laughing. There's literally corn. Oh my. In, I, I know. Right I'm from field. North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, there's literally stalks of corn in in the in the right field bleachers. Um, and eventually that team, the normal corn belters, paying me 600 bucks a month, says, hey, Bob, you're not good enough. It's time to go. And I will say, like, as devastated as I was when the Blue Jays said it, when the Cardinals said it, I had a, a sense of uh, closure or... Uh, it just fe it felt meant to be that third and final time because I had actually planned on retiring literally that week. I had this experience where and for for years, I had this 
dream, this audacious thing. I'm a, I'm a 26 round draft pick. Like th- there is that guy does not make it to the big leagues, but I really wanted to, I really wanted to make it there. And on the good side, I think there's something honorable and worthy of chasing something and working really hard and showing up early and leaving late. And I don't think those are inherently bad, but what I thought it would give me, that is where I stepped into sin. Perhaps I was, I was misguided. I wanted fulfillment. I wanted, um, I, I never really cared about being famous at all. I'm, I'm an introvert. Like I'm a homebody. I, I had no desire to, you know, be public facing and Hey, will you just adore me? I didn't care about that at all. It was more about, I wanted to, I wanted to call my dad and I want to say, Hey dad, I need you to book a flight to Cleveland. Cause I just got called up to the big leagues mm-hmm. and that has nothing to do with being famous. That has nothing to do with being rich. That was just something I wanted to share with him. Um, and there's there's a bunch of other things tied into it, like a lot of insecurities where, oh, well, if if I get to the big leagues, and a lot of people don't, it's like the 1% of the 1%, then people will love me. Then people will accept me. Then people will dot, dot, dot. <clears throat> And that th- we so often have, like, like I said, it's just insult, I, uh, insert idol here. For me, it was the big leagues. For somebody else, it might be the the marriage, the job, whatever it is. But in the in the first chapter of my book, I explain kind of my my moment of awakening where all the baseball stuff that ended, I was running a protein bar business while I was playing in the minor leagues as well. So that was kind of plan, plan B or plan one, a, like once baseball is done, I stepped right into the protein bar stuff. The writing on the wall was that's going to end as well. I had a two, three year relationship that ended very poorly. And this was like in a, in a three month period. So this whole whole story that I had written for myself uh, was no more. It was gone. Like baseball, business, girl, done. And so that was the moment where I truly gave my life over to God for the first time. And again, I would have told you I was a Christian for 10, 12 years. Right. Praying before meals, praying before I go to bed, memorizing scripture. And it wasn't until that moment where, mm. you know, you hit the end of your proverbial rope like, God, I, I've tried it all. I am done. I'm exhausted. I'm heartbroken. Here's my life. And of course, you expect him to fix everything spick and span tomorrow. And he's just he's just on a totally different timeline. He's on a totally different agenda where if you lose the the dream, the business, the girl, and you give your life over to God officially, <laughs> you think he's going to drop those things on your front door tomorrow and Meanwhile, he went to work on my heart right. and he went to work on my relationship with him. So, yeah, I seem strange to say, but I, I am so grateful that I failed that big that early. Wow. Bob, I'm totally, for that. totally changed for the better. Yeah. 
I think that's just incredible reminder. Like for, first and foremost, first and foremost, you're being very vulnerable, open, transparent yeah. with us and our audience. And we just appreciate that. And I'm also just reminded, like coming out of the holiday season that we have hallmark to remind us, right? That we're alone, that we haven't had the breakthrough moment. We haven't had this a big epiphany or found that guy or girl um, because the hallmark moments don't happen. They don't pop up on your doorstep. Like you said, like, oh, ta-da, the end, 90 minutes, it's over. You know, it can take 90 days. It can take 10 years for God to really start the healing process or bring those things into existence that you know, we know he has for us, but things have to take place in that process. And I love that you had even talked about you. I wrote this down. You said, um, I was, I had written myself, like written my story myself. And I think so many times as pastors, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as people who are motivated, like we try to take things into our own hands, um, and, and say that we're Christians and we very might may well be Christians that are Mm -hmm. actively living out our faith, but we start idolizing, whatever it is before us, we can even idolize ourselves and pride can creep in and just insecurities can creep in and all those different elements and the messiness and the beauty of us all at the same time. And just keeping in mind, like if you're a listener today, maybe you can resonate with any part of Bob's story. Maybe you're seeking the approval of somebody. Maybe you're seeking the approval of a parent or just trying to prove yourself to yourself that you're good enough or that you've worked hard enough and Maybe you're kind of in the season where you're feeling that rejection. Cause I know Bob, like I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but you were, you were told no several times and, um, but you still had something in you that wanted to keep going. And I think so many times the big question many of us ask ourselves, or we can fall into this pit of the woe is me or why me, or the question of why do bad things happen to good people? Or why can't I have this breakthrough moment now, God? And we come to him with all these concerns or these frustrations instead of thanking him for what he's currently doing in our character. So I would just love for you just to lean in maybe a little bit to why do you believe that God like allows the pain, allows the brokenness and allows the rejection, whether it's of our experiences of man or some encounters that we've had on this side of eternity. Like how do we process those and why does God allow that to, you know, be part of our stories? We all have something, right? Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're making a lot of assumptions when we say something like that. Why do bad things happen to good people? The assumptions are like, let's, let's unpack the word bad. Right. What do we mean by bad? It's probably painful disappointing, frustrating, not according to my plan. Basically, that's what we're saying. So why why do my plans not happen? That that's essentially what we're asking. And I, I know you said it a couple of minutes ago, Bob, you you were trying to write your own story. And I kind of laugh at that now because in the, the first couple chapters of my book, I lay out the the main characters of any story where you know the title of the book our hearts desire subtitle how our stories reveal the thing we want most so what what are the who makes up a story and you have an author a hero or protagonist a love interest and an enemy and so that entire chapter about the author of the story as i read through scripture with a new lens where i had actually surrendered my life to god and said i'm done trying to quarterback my life Mm -hmm. i will give you everything I'm giving you my yes on the front end. I don't even need to know where we're going. Like it's it's a yes. I don't care how 
painful, how confusing it is. Here's my yes. I'm ready for whatever you have for me. And as I started reading the word through that lens, I mean, God's God's authorship is unmistakable. It, mm-hmm. it is, it cannot be missed that he is in complete control of literally everything. Even the things that we say are air quotes bad. Like he says in Isaiah, I am God and there is no other. I am God. There is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. He's, he's just like an author of a novel, a screenwriter of a movie. Like it is not difficult for him to go into 2025, 2030, like assuming we're all still around. It is not difficult for him to say, Hey, here's what will happen in 2030 to him. It already has happened because he's written it down. That's why he says, I'm the God who was, is, is to come. Like it's, it's all the same. The story is done beginning to end. I declare the end from the beginning. And so if you pair that with words from Jesus, where he says that like the key to life, the key to understanding how to follow him, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's not saying you have to be a martyr Mm -hmm. in order to find your life. He's saying, you're not the author of your story. Whoever loses his life, whoever prays that prayer, Lord, here's everything. Mm-hmm. Here's my yes on the front end. Then life will start making sense to you. Then some of those things that as you look back in the rear view, uh, rear view mirror, it's like, oh, that was a really bad, painful season. It's like, well, yeah, it was painful, but it wasn't bad. Like yeah. I learned patience in that season. I learned forgiveness in that season. I learned to love the unlovable. So good in that season. And those are the things that you'll take with you mm-hmm. to the next life. Like the, the big leagues, the money, the girl, the business, like I'm taking none of those things. Even you, you guys, you know, it seems you guys have an awesome marriage. You, you guys won't be married in heaven. Jesus right. says that plainly. Like right. we're like the angels in heaven. We're going to be brothers, sisters, friends. So like, all of these things that I had built up in my mind, baseball, business, girl, marriage, all of it, I had to have all of those things stripped away and basically find myself at zero to realize that it's it's God that my heart wants. It's God right. that my heart was created for. Like the title of the book, Our Heart's Desire, it's like, he's it. Sorry, spoiler alert, like he's it. Yeah. He is the reason our longing for God is the reason why we tell all of these same stories where it's the redemption, it's paradise lost, paradise restored. That's all that we want. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors, Adam and Eve, born in Eden, they had perfection for a a moment. Mm-hmm. And then we blew it. God didn't blow it. We blew it. And then for some reason, God still allows us a second, third, fourth, hundredth chance to come back to him. That's what our hearts are longing for. Mm-hmm. We just want to return to Eden. We want perfection. We want perfect relationships, perfect love, where every tear is wiped away. And so all of our efforts here on earth, I think the heart behind it is good. It is, but you just have to zoom out. You have to zoom out and understand the story that God has written. There's yeah. no social agenda. There's no, like no amount of good that can be done, charity, stuff like that, that will completely 
fix our situation. Why? Because we're not the author. We were born into this story. The author said, hey, we're doing this my way. It's the way that I will make is through my son, is through Christ. I am the author. The pen Mm -hmm. is in my hand. I declare the end from the beginning. And as I started to realize that more and more, I didn't share this on the front end. Towards the end of my baseball career, I, I was I was a real mess. Like I was having panic attacks. I was uh, I'd eat like five thousand calories a day to keep my weight up because I'm naturally a pretty lean person. Like I'm not somebody who, uh, you know, putting on muscle in the off season was super easy for me. So I'd lose probably twenty pounds every six month season. But I went into spring training at 232 pounds. No way. Like I'm 6'5", so big, big dude. And But that wasn't natural to me. So I'm like just yeah. doing all of these things in my flesh. I had a resting heart rate of 80 beats per minute. Just like stressed out of my mind. So much pressure. Gotta get to the big leagues. It's so important. And it was in losing my life. It was in losing all of these things that I was holding so tightly onto that yeah i di- i did find life whoever loses life will find it it is so much easier to be a supporting actor in this story than to mistakenly think you're the hero yeah yeah or to mistakenly think you're the author you're not and you don't have to be the is real author the real author the the real hero so much better so much better. So there's less pressure and a better result. I'm in on that. Yeah. So, so good. encouraging. And <laughs> something that I'm reminded of is that the end of ourself is actually the end of ourselves is a really great place to reach because it's the beginning of God. And yes. I, I can relate with you, Bob, in that I took baseball as far as I could. For me, it was division three. And I realized that I'd met my match <laughs> early in college, my freshman year. And But I I look at something that I'm reminded of with your story that I think we all can relate to is the differentiation and the understanding point of what are broken promises and what are unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. Because I think we can blur those lines accidentally because the first is the promises of God. So I need to understand what are the Mm -hmm. promises of God? And then maybe it's two angles with the other bucket with unmet expectations. What things have I expected from God that he never agreed to, or even for the faith Mm -hmm. leader, for the pastor or the, the young adult leader, I think of as a leader, one thing that I'm really mindful of that I think Mike and I are mindful of is what are we promising people on God's behalf? Right. Because um, totally. it's so easy for people to, to think, well, I like you were, I'm checking the boxes. I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm single. I'm staying pure. Where's my spouse? I went to college. Where's my dream job? And But the reality of the follower of Christ is that we could be unmarried, we could be unemployed, and we are a child of God. Mm -hmm. The greatest accomplishment over the banner of our life is God's love for us, that he did through the gospel for us Mm -hmm. what we could never do for ourselves. that on our worst day, he still died for us. Romans talks about while we were dead Mm -hmm. in transgressions, he died for us. And and so I look at that, though, this idea of sometimes we mistake uh, unmet expectation as a promise being broken. And so then 
when we separate those two yeah. things, we realize that, okay, I'm going to deal with some letdowns, some rejections, some discouragement, some disappointment. And yet God has not broken a promise. All of the promises of God find their yes and find their amen in him. And you're um, reminding us of the greatest story that's ever been told. Mm -hmm. It is the gospel story. And Bob, I'd be curious, why do you like stories so much? And why do we as just humans, why are we so drawn in by whether it is, you know, Batman, whether it is, you know, <laughs> Lord sure. of the Rings, why are we drawn into even the gospel message of the narrative of Jesus? Why are we so mm. drawn into these stories? Yeah, I think, I think it even goes deeper than the story itself. I think the story, Batman or Lord of the Rings, wherever you put, is it's the expression of the desire. It's not the desire. So it, it, it goes even you know, further down than just the story itself. Why do humans love stories? I believe that God as our maker, he hardwired us to, to long for him. We, we have this, this searching, like I said, we're searching for Eden. We're searching mm -hmm. for perfect relationships. Uh, no more panic attacks. Like we, we know something is wrong here. And so we tell these stories, the Lord of the Rings, Batman, and typically there's the happy ending and you have that, you know, quick 15, 20 minute catharsis where, you know, everything is, everything is great, but it ends. It always ends. That's why we're always looking to the, the next story. But even still, to answer your question, I think those are our little whispers of what our, our true desire is. We, we just want God. Mm -hmm. We want, we want God. And I mean, scripture says that there are some that will reject, but those whose names are written in the book of life, we, we want him. So you could watch Batman or the Lord of the Rings and, you know, you think you're watching Gandalf and all that stuff, but really it, it's touching on something deeper it's touching on your longing for God. Yeah. And as I as I read more of scripture and just continue to pour over it and just experience the the character of the person of Christ and see his humility and see his his meekness and all the things that we see written about him. It's like, yeah, that 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 is the best there is. I want more of him. I want to be like him. Mm -hmm. Again, it's the it's the yes on the front end. I'm just yeah. So I hope that answers your answers your question. Um, it I, I don't even think it has to do with with the story. The story is the expression, yeah, of that deep rooted desire. Yeah, we we just we want him. Yeah, that's the point. We want mm -hmm. God. And we don't have that, them completely right now. Yeah. I think that it reminds me of the verse that just talks about eternity is written on the heart of man. Like that's the desire mm -hmm. is we yep. desire for the soon coming King. And um, we're created that way. Well, I mean, with thinking of just like the parallels mm -hmm. of any story, there's always, there's always a hero. There's always a villain. There's always a problem to solve. There's always um, some love dynamic that needs to, to yeah, yeah, there's always something that needs to build in yeah. a story. And there's always like that triumphant moment. Like, why do we always cheer when somebody has a breakthrough moment? Why do we get so excited when, oh, they're finally under the mistletoe and they kiss and they pull out the ring and they, will you marry me? Mm -hmm. Or they ride off into the sunset that says the end. And I'm like, no, the end is the, the beginning. 
And so the end of this side of eternity is only the beginning. And I think we're in a preseason that we forget so often that this side of earth, like being on earth in the side of eternity is the pregame to the actual game coming. That's good. It's That's, a rehearsal. Yeah. And it's 100%. like, okay, this, we have the, the sets up. God's doing a hundred thousand things behind the scenes that we don't see. There's makeup, there's setup, there's tear down. There is the theatrical, you know, components. There's everything that God is doing. On, on just a greater scale, like in the supernatural, in the natural, that we get to see and experience to whatever we desire, right? To whatever we actually choose to lean into. And we can ask God to reveal things to us. But um, Bob, I'm so curious, like what makes a good story is there always seems to be, there has to be a villain, right? Because there has to be a triumphant mm -hmm. moment and everything builds off each other, not only in the Bible, not only in anything that you watch in Hollywood or like in the big screen or the breakthrough box office things, but the purpose of villains, or maybe we will say of evil, why do we have those components in our story? Um, whether it's our personal mm -hmm. story, whether it's through the lens of a character we read in the Bible, like how would you even just speak into that if we're going to talk kind of like the storyline and kind of be on the, the movie theme more or less of what is the yeah. purpose of villains in our stories and how do we overcome in the process? Totally. I think that's a question that a lot of people who, you know, have, have a riff with Christianity or especially with, with God. Well, if Satan's so bad, why, why not just forget about him? Why, why create him in the first place? And to answer your question, bringing it back to stories, novels, Hollywood, the whole deal, the villain character is so important to any sort of narrative because the story at the end of the day is about the hero. Like mm -hmm. we always have to remember that any story is told about the protagonist, whoever that may, might be. And it could be a female, like who's the hero of the Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen, right? But this is a story about Katniss and things that happen to her. So when you look at a villain, when you look at the enemy, he or she is there to support the story of the hero. The villain tells us more about the hero than we would know otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I lay it out in the book that all heroes have a purpose, a problem, and a prize. Oh and God. so the hero's purpose is what, like, wh why are we telling this story about them? Because we don't have to. What is it about this hero that makes them a hero? What makes them extra? ordinary like what what is their purpose what is their calling why are they here mm -hmm. then the problem is like you mentioned every story is going to have some sort of hey we need to fix this thing and so the hero will have a problem but the enemy is oftentimes what initiates that and that was the case in our story too where what is the the hero of the story god as seen through the you know jesus is the visible expression of the invisible god right and so his, his problem, not that he's sweating over it, like he's totally in control, but his problem is, man, I have a love interest, my imagers, mankind that are now rebels. They've, they've traded sides. They are now sons and daughters of Satan. That's a problem that I have to fix. It was initiated by the devil, by the enemy of our souls. So purpose, problem, and then prize like why why do we have enemies the enemies even elevate the prize because sometimes you have this love interest where it's kind of i talk about the Rachel and Ross thing where she loves, know, love he loves me he loves me not <laughs> she loves me she loves me not it's like the back and forth that's oftentimes the case especially in the middle of a love story where she can't she can't quite figure out if he's trustworthy mm -hmm. or if she his intentions for her are good and yet the villain is there to, to really make her come 
alive and make her understand her need and her desire for the hero. Where, again, the hero has this prize, which is the love interest. Like we we are the prize. We are the bride of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. God the Father will reward his son with us, with a sanctified, perfected church. Like that's what it says in the book of Revelation. We will have our wedding. We will be the bride dressed in white walking down the aisle. So we are the prize of Christ. Honestly, we wouldn't awaken to that need if it weren't for the enemy. That's good. That's so good. Oh my gosh. I'm and so oh, yeah. you asked, you asked why, are, why are villains written into our stories? They have, they have a bad end in mind. They're trying to ruin everything. Mm-hmm. And yet the author is in complete control where the author is using that enemy all of his schemes, all of his evil devices, and is constantly pushing the story forward to the end that he has chosen, where the hero is glorified, the hero receives his prize, the love interest is redeemed. That's the story of scripture. If what we believe as Christians is true, that is the story that we were born into. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's why we keep telling it in, in Hollywood all the time. Because we we want that. There is something that written on our hearts that when we see that story, we say that is inherently right and good. Mm-hmm. I want that. I'll pay $12 for that movie ticket or I'll stream that. Like we, It's just on a micro level, like, oh, that's inherently good. It's like, no, that is the cry of our heart. Mm. Right. That's a story that we were born into. That's what we want. I'm reminded of just some great stories and, and there is to your point, always the good versus evil dynamic. I'm reminded Mm -hmm. of a story that I want to tell our girls someday um, because my dad would read us the books and that's the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, and they've now been made Mm -hmm. into movies. But I think that's a great example of taking the characters of God's story and, and helping us mm. understand them in, in kind of a, a parable or, you know, Mark Batterson talks about like um, the movie theater screen is the modern day stained glass window mm. to, to tell the stories mm. to the next generation. And along those lines, Bob, I'd just be really fascinated to know why you believe in the faith of the next generation and why you think that young adult ministry is so important. Yeah, I well, I, I think first of all, the word tells us to to bring up the next generation. And you see a lot of warnings, horror stories, the you know, the book of the judges, where it's like on again, off again, relationship with God. And he is the constant. Mm-hmm. He's always there. He's always pursuing and available to the repentant heart. Mm-hmm. But we're not we are the ones that are at fault, the on again, off again. So I think it's so important to pour into the next generation because first of all, our, our master, like if we are, you know, servants of God, our master tells us to, and that, that should be enough. We're like, okay, got it. Cause you, the sons and daughters of the next generation are just as much sons and daughters as we are. Right. Mm-hmm. And so first of all, he just, he just says it. And to me, that's enough. But also they'll, they'll eventually be the leaders. Like they're, they're going to be faced with this same question 10 years from now. 
mm-hmm. 20 years from now. It's this never ending. That's one of the coolest things about being born into this story with God. He is the author. And as, as David says in Psalm 139, all the days ordained for me mm. were written in your book before one of them came to be like the story is written. It's done. You know, the, the shirt that you're wearing today, what you have have for lunch tomorrow, like in a way God chose it all. And yet we have complete free will within it. He is using us. He's even using the enemy's schemes to bring that about. Um, and the next generation is a is a part of that. So, yeah, I'm I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the the up and comers and the the heart that people are displaying for God in this generation. And uh, I want to do everything I can to pour into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I just think Josiah always says this and he talks about not only that, not only does the next generation or the generations to come are young adults, they're not going anywhere. I mean, they just keep coming. They just keep being raised in the world in which we live. But also he talks about like anything that starts, starts in the student section. If you're at a baseball game, if you're at a hockey game, where does the wave start? The student section. No doubt. Yes, they have yeah. the energy. They don't even right. sit during a game. They will stand the entire time when the other generations mm-hmm. want to sit because they're exhausted or they've been on their feet all day. And I just think about the longevity of mm-hmm. just, just life in general and to know that what we pass on and how we hand off the mantle and the baton and our wisdom that we have or don't have as leaders. I believe that we are in a very pivotal day and age that I encourage every single person that I mentor to pray for three things right off the bat. You need to pray for wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. The ability to to be wise and to have wise people and wise counsel speak into your life. That's through mentorship. That's through discipleship. Knowledge is knowing when and how to apply that wisdom to whatever situation. And then discernment, the ability to navigate and discern what is of the world, what is of myself, and what is of God. And how does that come back to scripture in that process? And how do we become stronger leaders, become stronger people in our singleness so we can be strong in our marriages that when the enemy does come and he does try to kill, um, steal, kill, and destroy, not only what he's already doing before we get married, but once we do get married or once we do get that job and those little temptations are before us with more money, more fame, more advancement, power, greed, whatever it is, we all have some form of idol. So I would just even encourage for the listener Starting out January, 2023, what is God downloading to you this, this new season of life? 2023, most people look at a fresh start, um, fresh dreams, maybe new goals. What attribute or what character is God wanting to work in your life as a leader, as a listener, as a young professional? Um, Because we're all leading something. We're all doing um, something, hopefully for the good of God and his kingdom. And I just want to encourage you as a listener just to be mindful of we don't have to be strong in every single area, right? Like let's stop trying to work on our weaknesses and surrender those and be like, okay, Lord, like I may not be the best person in this area, but you're going to help me. But what have you gifted me with? What have you put before me? And what are you asking me to steward that I already have? Yeah. And uh, I just think that that's something we can really get stuck in a pit of despair or competition or comparing of like, well, if I had that budget or if I had that calling, I would fill in the blank, you know? So I just want you to just leverage what God has given you for his kingdom and for his name and not your own namesake. And um, that's just my two bit. That's all I got. But 
Bob, are you ready for the challenge? You're Bring an it. athlete. Yeah, You're competitive. This. It's kind of like the home go. run derby. Home run derby. Five questions. Okay. Five minutes. Can you do it? Let's let's do it. Start the clock. Let's do it. All right. What is something I that hope. you're into <laughs> right now as a hobby, maybe outside of the writing and reading? Um. Yeah. Well, honestly, I don't like that you took reading off the table. That that is honestly a hobby of mine, and that, that question, admittedly was really difficult for me to answer for a long time because I was just so focused on sports, on the business, on whatever, like on on work as opposed to pouring in to myself or even just allowing myself to enjoy. I'm going to push back a little on that. I would honestly say that one of my hobbies is reading because I as the I'm, I'm an introvert, like I said, I'm a homebody. When I need to recharge, it is not going out and let's see people, let's throw a party, the whole deal. If you give me a good book and silence, I I really recharge in that. Okay. But I would say uh one one little caveat there. I read nonfiction forever. That was all I read. It was health, nutrition, baseball, mental game, what workout do I need to do? Let's get better. And I've had a friend uh, here locally in Nashville it was a couple of years ago now, but got me onto a fiction kick and I push back. I push back for, you know, months and months and months, because if you're reading a fiction book, you are wasting time or so I thought. And eventually I caved and now I'm reading fiction left and right. And it's so much fun for me. That might be one major reason why I'm so caught up into stories, but that that truly is a hobby of mine because I truly enjoy it. That really fills me up to to crack open. You know, we just got out of the holidays, like reading something as short and timeless as a Christmas Carol. Yes. You know, Ebenezer Scrooge, just like allowing myself. All right, there's no agenda here. I'm not getting better here. I'm I'm purely enjoying this time, and that's okay. So yeah, I would say I know that was kind of taken off the table, but that that's okay. honestly a hobby. Of mine. Here's my second part of that question. Reading what are fiction. you currently yeah. reading right now? Is it the Christmas Carol or Scrooge or what are you in right now? So I wrap that up. The next thing on my, I have a reading list of like 50 something books. Oh, and I'm just sure keep you adding do. And adding what a day. <laughs> I, I really want to read Dune. Okay. The science fiction book. Yeah. And they came out with a movie. I think it was. 2022. I, I I can't remember when it came out. Really popular movie, but I've heard the book is awesome. So I wanted to read that and just kind of looking at all these different things where I could read Dickens, who's been dead for a hundred plus years or Dune, science fiction. Just, yeah. As long as it's fun, it's on the table. Escaping reality. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say maybe Dune. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. So you have a favorite baseball team or sports team that you cheer for? I... Good question. Not a favorite baseball team. I think if I had to pull for somebody, it'd probably be the Dodgers just because that's the the local team that I grew up around. I went to school in Los Angeles. But as far as the team that I definitely pull for, it would just be USC, yes. Southern California. So yes, right. I'm so glad that we have a good football team now and we have, we have Heisman Trophy winner this year. Wow. We were down in the dumps for like 10 years. <laughs> a decade. So I'm I'm excited to be excited. About USC. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, here's the curveball. Question number three. If you could ask Josiah and myself any question, what would you ask us? Hmm. I also like that you threw curveball in there. That was nice. That was a nice little pun there. Um, Let's see. So with King Solomon, he he had just taken the throne and he was this 
young, inexperienced kid. God came to him in a dream and basically had a genie in a bottle type of moment. He said, what do you want? And he asked for wisdom. If God came to you and you guys had one wish, so to say, God visits you tonight in a dream, says, what do you want? What would you say? <laughs> I think it goes back to my what I encourage people to do, wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. I take any one of those, but I think I would pray for wisdom just because, and I don't want to say because he did, but I think we are in such a pivotal moment in history, in the city we live, in the family we have, and just having the ability to know what to do, how to do it, to reach young adults, to see the wave of um, young adults and the generation like I want to see a wave of generations not only lift their hands for Christ, but drop their knees to the ground, mm -hmm. crying out to God, knowing that something needs to be done and people are going to hell and this is real. Um, so I love praying for wisdom and I, and I feel like God has blessed me in that. So I would just ask for more like, God, how do I approach people? How do I love people better? How do they need to be loved? So show me in you know the supernatural realm of, of wisdom of how to touch the lives around because my time here is so short in comparison to eternity. And I think that would be my, the biggest big kingdom contribution that I can make be praying for wisdom to know what to do, how to do it. <laughs> if that makes any sense, mm. maybe I just rambled. You and Solomon both. Yeah, that's oh great. Oh my gosh. Mine's more wishes. No, I'm just, kidding. I'm more. just kidding. I like that. All right, so let's take that one off the table. Yeah, yeah. no, that's good. And wisdoms. I mean, I remember visiting, um, kind of the place in Israel where uh, two bold prayers were prayed. One is uh, Joshua prayed, sun stand still. And that's mm. probably the, the region or area that Solomon prayed a bold prayer asking for wisdom. And I remember, I remember praying for wisdom there. I think the desire of our hearts is to see the next generation reach for Christ within revival mm -hmm. and awakening. I always ask the question, could the next great awakening or revival start with generation Z or what if that happened? So I think that's the desire that our hearts really long for is for others to know him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Make him known. Um, that's awesome. It's a fun, deep thought provoking question too. And um, how about this? How about we do some fun? And that is halfway through this five and five Ooh. comment. If you're watching on YouTube, if God came and visited you in a dream and asked, and, and you could ask him what thing, one thing, what would you ask? And we will send one lucky winner a uh, copy of our heart's desire. It's actually a signed copy from Bob Wheatley. Uh, but there's the plug for the book. And if you will also do another um, giveaway on Instagram, that's good. That. We'd love, I love to it. just be a blessing, but uh, let us know because that was such a good question that Bob asked. Like if, if you could have God answer one prayer or give you one desire, grant one desire of your heart, what would it be? Ready, mm -hmm. set, go on that. And Bob, back to you. Uh, question four or five is like, I know you said you enjoy hiking. Is there a place you'd like to travel that you haven't yet, or maybe a trail you'd love to return to? Yeah, I, I've never been to Europe. So yeah. I'd love to I'd love to go to Europe. I'd specifically like to go to Italy. I just think that'd be awesome. I've seen so many amazing pictures, and of course, I assume the food will be out of this world. So I'd say probably Italy. Yeah, that's on that's on my list. Good choice. Okay. Question five to wrap things up, Bob, if you could leave the listener with one word of encouragement today, what would you leave them with? 
I would say that there is an author of this story who's in complete control, complete control. So obviously you guys are top five podcasts on Spotify. So there's a lot of people listening to this right now, whoever it is, like we're, we're going through all different things mm-hmm. and yet God is still the author of the story. There's nothing that has happened or will happen that is surprising him that is outside of his sovereignty. And so if there's something that has been painful, frustrating, disappointing, whatever, I would just remember who you're, who you're praying to. And he is a loving father. He's a giver of good gifts and he's on a totally different agenda than, than we are. So if you look at the story of Joseph in Genesis is that very famous verse, Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. Wow. We have the same, we have the same stories. Mm-hmm. And of course we weren't falsely accused and thrown into prison. And 13 years later of, you know, all this suffering, like we, we all have different stories, but I, I guess if I could have a, a second piece of encouragement, like just zoom out, zoom out and remember the story that you were born into everything that you want, all of these desires, the perfect relationships, a peaceful mm-hmm. life, whatever it might be, you will have those things. God wants you to have those things even more than you want them. And if we zoom out, it's exactly how our story ends. So I just want to encourage you with that. Zoom out. Remember the story that you were born into. It is amazing. It is amazing. And it's truly what our hearts are longing for. I love it. So encouraging so good and uh we echo that that god has a plan for your life that the things that romans goes on to kind of mm-hmm. mirror that genesis fifty twenty that you were talking about no weapon formed us can prosper us, yeah and uh that is hope to take to the bank that we are not people without hope as christ followers we have hope we have a future that god is the author and the finisher the perfecter of our faith so Mm -hmm. take encouragement in that and bob we just want to circle back to you and say congrats on the launch of our heart's desire excited to get these into people's hands as they start a brand new year of 2023 and man we just want to thank you for your time awesome thanks you guys you guys are awesome yes Till next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adult Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. I'm getting judged up right now, yeah.